podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Pretty Sketchy Podcast. I'm Corey Wire, and with me, as always, is acclaimed author and grand poobar of the Loyal Order of Water Buffalo Lodge, Michael Marshman. How you doing, man? Oh, my God. Yeah. Like a Flintstones reference. That's a Flintstone. Hey, I was, I was totally getting ready to explain that to you. That's awesome. <laughs> I just, you know, I threw a little Flintstones humor in there to confuse all the millennials, but... um. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's Can't the... get that past me, man. I used to watch Flintstones as a kid. Yeah, the hat, you know, the, yeah. the Buffalo Lodge thing. Yeah, man. Yeah. The only <laughs> reason they went was to get away from their wives for a while. Yeah. Why don't we have these things anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I love my wife. I don't want to be run off the internet like that dude yeah. from Kind of Funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. Colin Moriarty. Oh, boy. That was a kettle of fish. Um, poor dude yeah yeah i i just listened to like a we're, we're totally getting off topic already we're already been side sidetracked but um I, I listened to like a three-hour podcast he did with joe rogan the other day um and uh he's a real smart dude man he's 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 really you know but he's he's got a really good point and it's that he made a stupid joke which he he cleared with his wife beforehand he showed her the tweet before he tweeted it and said oh what do you think of this she goes oh, that's pretty funny he goes all right cool and he sent it out <laughs> Would you say it was kind of funny? He goes, it was kind of funny. <laughs> he, he, he goes to work and then realizes the entire internet's melted down and stuff. But he had a real interesting point. He goes, people are choosing, he's not apologizing for it because um, yeah. he doesn't feel like he should have to um, mm. because it was a joke and it wasn't meant to be taken seriously. And he, he understands the gravity of all this sort of stuff. But people are just out to destroy him. And it's like, it's like this is what happens and they had heaps of examples of where it's happened to other people as well it's just like make one tiny little misstep or a mistake or they something's taken out of context and it's not a matter of oh he shouldn't have said that it's like let's destroy his career and that's essentially what happened and um and uh you know he goes they, they choose to because he's a bit outspoken on on a few sort of issues that sort of put him a little bit into the right you know mm. um um, based on he's actually he's actually uh, he was going for his PhD in American history and stuff, so he's not stupid. He understands like you know um, a lot of the stuff. He, like the things that he's behind, he understands the topics. He's not one of these people who's just a bandwagon jumper and stuff like that. But either way, um, and he was saying um, nobody chooses to recognize. Oh, you know, you know, he's he's pro gay marriage and he's he's uh, pro uh, choice and all this other stuff they just like see one or two things and then they hear him say this and then they go, well, he's a right-wing psychopath and he needs to be run out of town. You know, yeah, um, yeah. it's just, it's just bizarre how people can latch onto something like that and just, and everybody just piles on, you know, but anyway, hopefully that doesn't happen here. Fortunately for us, we, uh, we don't have the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> We've got no social influence whatsoever. So we can say pretty much whatever we want. Um, yeah. I mean, like, in, in the end, I said this to you the other day, we're all just monkeys flinging shit at each other. <laughs> That's right. That's all it is. Yeah, sometimes you're the you're the monkey who's on the other side of the fence, though, and the rest of the world seems to be the other guys, you know? Yeah. But um, that's social media. So anyway, we all we all choose to do this. So, well, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. So uh, a little bit about the podcast, what we do here. My name is Corey, and I am currently illustrating a comic um, that Michael... Who will, the other guy speaking? Um, <laughs> uh, I do wrote, exist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You won't you won't go on camera though, which pisses me off. But that's all right. We'll talk about that later. Um, we uh, yeah. He wrote a comic called Homoko King. I'm currently illustrating it, so you guys can see the process and how it all works and stuff like that. And in the meantime, we just talk 
uh, pop culture shit. So uh, sit back and enjoy. Um, okay, so let's get into it. There we go. All right. So I'm currently drawing page five still. Um, and yeah, I'll get into that. So um, what's going on, man? How are things? <laughs> <laughs> so before we started my brain's kind of mush right now yeah so. i already know the answer to this one yeah oh man oh, i i think i i didn't wake up with a headache but i stood up and then the headache arrived oh fair enough yeah my wow. my head just sort of constricted my skull just went around my brain and was like yep here's some pain for you <laughs> yeah i don't know I'm, I'm okay i'm good yeah so uh a lot, a lot of people who listen know that Michael and I work in retail, and uh, fortunately for me, somehow I managed to dodge a bullet. But they did stock take last night. Stock take being the single worst thing that can happen <laughs> in the retail game. Um, and, and so, and Michael, unlike Christmas, it happens twice a year. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about Christmas. Christmas also bad. Um, but yeah, that's um, yeah. So well, the night one is done and dusted. We're, we're both due to go back in later on tonight and do the rest but um yeah <laughs> so well, i'm gonna take it easy i'm gonna be doing a lot of the talking <laughs> take it easy so business as usual yeah yeah what else is new um yeah so um okay so one thing i want to talk about is i went and saw the movie life um the new one with uh jake gyllenhaal and ryan reynolds and a couple others um and... not the one with eddie murphy and martin lawrence <laughs> You gonna need that cornbread. <laughs> you damn right, I'm gonna need that cornbread because I'm from New York City. <laughs> that movie had a profound impact on me. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no, I love that movie. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, I, I I really liked it. It's 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 a it's a big sort of suspense thriller in the vein of you know some of my favorite movies like um, uh, like The Thing and stuff like that, where they you know they basically everyone's held captive in an environment they can't escape from with, with some sort of a, um, you know, uh, creature or something like that, which, you know, they can't leave. They can't think so. They've got to basically stand and fight and figure out how to improvise, um, you know, a, a method of survival, you know, and I really like that. That's, that's one of my favorite things. So, um, um yeah but i look it, it was really interesting i know michael hasn't seen it so i'm not gonna be too spoiler heavy here so if you haven't seen it don't don't worry too much but um essentially it's the the you know basically what you'll see in the trailer is um you've got a a team on board the international space station um there's a satellite with uh like a probe or something coming back from mars with core samples um and it's, you know, there's been this big operation to sort of capture this satellite um, probe thing and study the material on board. They're obviously doing it on the space station, so there's a quarantine barrier. They're not bringing anything back to Earth, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, they, they do find life on there. And it's something, the interesting thing about it is that it's, it's a single cell organism, um, but the cell itself isn't a specific cell. So the creature is capable of, like each individual cell is both uh, like a brain cell, uh, a muscular sort of cell. So it has a form of locomotion, even at a cellular level, uh, and a couple of other things. Like essentially it's a self-contained single cell um, complex organism, which is kind of 
unusual but that's that's the idea of it so essentially it starts to grow and it becomes really interesting and and uh the way that it interacts with the scientist who's studying it and um cute little sort of blob thing that moves around and things like that um and so um you know one thing leads to another as we all know with these movies and everything goes to shit right and it becomes this terrifying menace with basically nothing but survival instincts and unfortunately what that means is that everybody on board has to die <laughs> you know for its survival so um that's essentially the crux of it um and honestly the the effects were beautiful um the, the way that they can do an entire movie in zero g now um and make it nev- never once feel like they're faking it mm. and, and and i mean not even they're not even playing it safe they're doing um they're deliberately putting the camera in places that would make it a complex shot you know what i mean they're, they're really showing off the fact that fuck you we can really do this i don't know how they shot it whether to me it seems like the only logical way to do it was they built the international space station <laughs> inside <laughs> inside one of those um zero g planes <laughs> and just yeah. literally flew around you know um but the way that they sort of move between compartments and things like that just doesn't seem possible you know, like I can imagine they can build a tube that goes in the in the belly of a plane. Mm. But when they take a 90 degree right angle and go left and go that way for 20 meters, it does, doesn't make sense. The opening sequence of the movie is literally, there's an event happening. I don't want to give anything away. Um, where there's chaos. Everybody's on board flying around doing 10 million things at once. And the camera's just floating through the station, just looking at whatever's going on. There's people flying past and going down. You're following people down into things and turning up into a thing and going up into another section of the ship. And, you know, it's it's like they, they deliberately tried as hard as they could to do the impossible, you know, and, and not have any any noticeable cuts like i'd have to watch it again and really scrutinize it there's probably cuts where they're turning corners and things like that but you never see it it's beautifully shot um and i just i just i just don't know how they do it nowadays you know like they they really um like they did it on gravity so if you've seen gravity you've seen a lot of these effects um but even then like they're just so ballsy with it they're not it's like they're like fuck you we're gonna do this and we're gonna put you right in the action and you're not going to have any clue how the fuck we did it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which to me, like I've been a special effects fan since I was 10, you know, like, um, uh, what, what's that? Like 29 years ago, I got into this sort of shit. And so mm. I, I've seen all of the behind the scenes. I've seen how they do things and I can, I can guess how this sort of stuff is done, but like normally I've got a much better idea of how to put something like that together. Um, so it's, I, I, my hat goes off to them. They really did an amazing job with that. The one grievance I have, uh, and again, I don't think this has given anything away. As as we all know, there's an alien on board and it is what it is. Um, I feel like they made a stylistic choice, which, because it's a very highbrow film, right? It, like it's, it is what it is, but at the same time, the cast isn't just a bunch of nobodies. You've got two um, particularly hot actors right now that are serious actors are taken seriously. I mean, obviously Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool, but everyone knows he's got serious acting chops. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal is one of those guys who always makes really artistic and creative choices with, you know, the movies he chooses to do and things like that. And um, for the most part, you know, he's done the occasional big Hollywood blockbuster to get the fucking, uh, his agent off his back, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but it's, um, they made a stylistic choice. Like the, the, the alien itself is clever. Like I explained it scientific on a scientific level. It's just a really clever invention. You know what I mean? It's, it's basically, um, it's, it starts as a single cell, which is completely self-reliant. 
and and then as it divides and grows it does that by eating consuming stuff like that um it it only becomes exponentially stronger because it's it's not you know like as a human being right we have a certain amount of uh, skeletal strength and muscle strength but the cells that make all that up are contained in those tasks whereas every single cell of this creature is a muscle cell every single cell is a, is a is an eye like its perception is based on a cellular level you know um every single cell is something where it consumes you know it's like um it's it's basically 100 percent efficient at a cellular level you know and and so the bigger it gets obviously the fact that factor grows exponentially you know um and so that that to me is just genius writing you know that's that's coming up with something that's completely terrifying now there's a point obviously they have to come up with a form factor for the creature so it's recognizable but it starts out as an amorphous blob that changes shape into what it you know needs to be um and then it sort of turns into this weird starfish kind of leaf looking thing and that's how it it creates locomotion by in which makes sense in zero gravity because it uses it basically can stick to surfaces and it can sort of reach over with its any one of its sort of five leaf-like limbs and sort of slap itself around the place um but then it turns into this creature um that's you know becomes the the real formidable kind of enemy you know it becomes quite large almost the size of a person and it just it looks stunning it's floating there in space looking just really fucking daunting and evil um but then they chose this is where i feel like they fell down they chose to anthropomorphize (laughs) i'll say it for the third time um the face um not really it's sort of like it has all of these sort of like um almost like a like a transparent translucent armor thing that can move around in front of what would be considered its face and that almost gives it expressions Mm. you know what i mean it can't communicate doesn't talk it doesn't do anything but it's just like you can see it has it has a range of emotion in its face that you know is sort of like you know it can be like placid or threatening or whatever it kind of looks like the the current the modern transformers you know how they're all just made up of angular shapes that move and create an expression yeah. it's yeah. a little bit like that and to me it, it was it was the obvious choice and i feel like um uh it, it's it's sort of it's it's what you would expect but from a movie that's trying to be more sci-fi than action thriller I feel like if they'd have left it faceless because there's no precedent for it to have an emotional thing. It's, it's scarier if it's faceless and emotionless. It's just this all consuming thing that comes after you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you, you probably didn't even need to anthropomorphize it. No, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like it doesn't need facial expressions. Did did it, did it eventually have like arms and legs and shit or no, it's sort of like, I'm trying to think what it's like. It, It almost looks like a super deep sea, creature like um that you'd see you know sometimes they, they put those cameras down like submarine cameras way down low and you see shit in the blackness of the bottom of the ocean it's mm. kind of like it almost looks like an angel you know what i mean they've okay. got like long flowing sort of um i wouldn't say limbs because they're more like uh appendages yeah they're more like flippers but like not it's really hard to explain um yeah fair enough. i'm doing a terrible job of it but I'm sure there was creatures like it. If you've ever seen the abyss, I'm sure there was similar creatures in that. Um, but they've got, it's almost like, if you can imagine, it almost looks like something with a bunch of scarves hanging off it that sort of flow in the water. 
but but then it, it sort of swims like a squid so you know it can sort of act, act activate those movements to sort of propel itself forwards at a really fast rate you know yeah um when it's just hanging there in space it's just floating there and it looks really beautiful in fact it looks stunning it's it's always translucent you can always see the vascular system through the surface it almost looks like um like a like jellyfish if you ever touched a jellyfish you know how they're translucent and blubbery but they yeah. have a firmness to them yeah um it's like that you know that sort of thing um but yeah it, it, all that aside like that that's my if that's my only grievance with the movie then it's it's pretty small time you know um like it, it was it was really good everybody in it was great um uh you know there's they don't go into explaining too much like the the, the scientist who is studying the, the, the creature is actually called calvin um but the scientist who's studying him specifically like everybody there's got a job he's the you know biologist or whatever on the, on the ship and he's studying him and he has he has he probably pushes it too far um by you know he names it and stuff like that and they're all excited because it's you know the first evidence of life and everything um but realistically they stop treating it as much like a scientific experiment and more like oh this is really cool to play with and you know it's really exciting and yeah. that's that's sort of where they run in trouble like they could have killed it off when it started to look a little bit more dangerous you know but he he pushed the limits because he's he's paraplegic um and he's looking at this could be better than stem cells this could be the next evolution of science and medicine and and stuff like that yeah. and his raison d'etre for that was because he's i guess it's a, in a way a little selfish because he's like oh this could this could cure me he doesn't say it out loud yeah it's, and that's what i like about it normally movies would sort of push that in your face and say this is why he's doing it but you sort of that's what i ascertained for myself you know um it, do, it doesn't do that hollywood thing where they have to explain away all of the plot points um and i that i really like that about it it was very it was very grown up sort of action sci-fi space horror film sort of thing you know yeah fair enough. um and and uh I, I give it a lot of kudos for that but yeah no i i enjoyed it take that with a grain of salt because you know i enjoy everything <laughs> um, uh, I'm not hypercritical. Um, I mean, I didn't even know if I'm going to get around to watching it yeah. soon because, you know, that came out friggin' I want to go watch Beauty and the Beast at some point. Yeah. Ghost in the Shell's out next week. Oh, wow. Yeah. And don't crucify me, but actually, I am curious to go watch the Power Rangers. So I'm curious just for the spectacle. <laughs> you know what mm. I mean? Like, I'm like, um,. <laughs> I just want to know like how much they fucked it up <laughs> essentially because like it's a tough call because I mean in in this day and age to, to pull off a Power Rangers movie is tough because it's like it was a goofy show with just weird yeah. effects and you know like no matter what you do you're going to piss people off you're either going to make it too campy and everyone's going to be like no nah, we wanted a serious fucking Power Rangers movie which is stupid in yeah. itself. Or you don't make it campy enough and you get the other half of the audience going, no, it's, it's supposed to be dumb and sort of, you know, goofy sort of um, almost like a, a, an Asian dub, you know? Mm. Well, word on the street is it doesn't completely suck. Oh, so. okay. Well, now I'm super curious because yeah. I was, I was it, hang on, what does that mean? It doesn't completely suck. Like it's, it's not bad, but it's not, it won't blow you away. Okay, fair enough, yeah. Yeah, but I wonder what perspective that's from. Is that from a fan of the series? You know, like, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's the thing. I think most word I've heard, like most positive feedback I've heard are from people that enjoyed it as a kid. Okay, cool. 
So, so you take that with a grain of salt. You, you know, yeah. if you're just a regular cinema goer going, wonder what this is about, you probably will go, what the fuck am I watching? Yeah. And that's kind of half what I expected, you know? Yeah. Power Rangers. What else is out of the movies? Is there something else out that's worth seeing? I can't remember. <clears throat> uh, well, like I, oh, uh, I went and saw a cure for wellness. Oh, right. Okay. What's which, which I thought was really good. What's that about? Give me, give me the bullet point. Oh boy. Um, okay. It's one of those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, main character playing, played by uh, Dane DeHaan, mm-hmm. who is phenomenal in this movie, by the way, he works for this big corporation thing and they, need him to go to this spa in the Swiss Alps to get the CEO to come back so he can like sign some shit off and whatever and you don't need to know anyway they send him there to get him back and he goes there and he finds out this place is kind of there's something off about it you know and he's having trouble finding the dude to bring back and they're sort of giving him the runaround and the longer he stays there the more he finds out things about this place that are quite unsettling wow okay this isn't going in the direction i thought it was going gonna be at all (laughs) i was thinking it was gonna be one of those uh who's that who's that fucking director uh always works with bill murray and shit and fucking gwyneth oh wes anderson yeah i thought it was i thought it was gonna be one of those wes anderson style movies no man this is this is gore vavinsky man oh is it really okay yeah okay so yeah it's it's like a, a thriller with a little bit of horror-ish elements in it but yeah it's um and being a gore verbinski film it's it's fucking beautiful right okay like that dude just knows how to compose a shot you know i don't know most of it you just like holy crap like this is just yeah fucking amazing and (laughs) for like half the movie i'm just like how did he even think of this shit like, <laughs> like my god but yeah no I, I thought it was really good the funny thing is I walked out of it and I thought to myself critics are gonna fucking hate this movie and then lo and behold I I go to the uh, first and foremost resource for <laughs> <laughs> how good a movie is Rotten Tomatoes yeah uh, sitting on 39% oh right on well see look At I've got time. a thing about them um, recently discovered that the parent company that owns Rotten Tomatoes also is like owns Universal or whatever, or yeah, like Universal or, or somebody like owns that. Them. Was, yeah, so like it's I take everything I read on there now with a grain of salt, especially since uh, topic I'm going to talk about later. But Iron Fist. Um, mm. In fact, fuck it, let's hit Iron Fist now. Seventeen um, percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Seventeen, yeah. like that's that's not even worth. It's not even worth looking at the cover image on Netflix. At 17%. <laughs> um, but then the audience rating for it um, uh, was 88 at the time. Somebody took a snapshot of it. It's like 17% critics review, 88% fan review. And I'm like, well, there's something going on there. There's something wrong there. And uh, the cynic in me is like, I, I can't remember which parent company owns um, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, but I'm certain they don't also own Netflix. <laughs> you know? yeah so it just it just makes the conspiracy theorist in me freak out a little bit um you know and and again like you look at netflix and the the, the star review on there which again i'm a bit suspicious and skeptical of but it kind of makes more sense is it's a five-star show on netflix 
you know? So people are voting for it and going, fuck yeah, this is mad, you know? Admittedly, I will say this. It's not as good a show as, say, um, you know, like Daredevil or The Punisher or whatever else. Um, I feel like the action... It, it leaves a little to be desired based on the pedigree of, of those shows. You know, like some of the best fight scenes you've ever seen on film were in Daredevil, you know, especially even the scene where the Punisher's in jail, that that um, uh, cell block scene was fucking phenomenal. Um, the time Daredevil fought his way down through like four or five stories of bikers was fucking off the chain, you know, and there's nothing really to compete with that. Like there's some Kung Fu style action, Mm. Um, but it doesn't look as well choreographed. Um, it feels like, like the guy playing, um, iron fist, whether it's him or his stunt double or whatever, I don't know. He, he seems pretty competent, but a lot of the other characters in it sort of just seem a little bit sort of, okay, I'm going to do this move and then this move and then this move. It's not a flowing thing. You know what I mean? Either yeah, way, I'm just being, again, I'm being hypercritical about it, but, um, the show itself wasn't bad. It had some cool twists and turns. It was a little dark, you know, like one of the characters gets addicted to synthetic heroin, you know, and things. It's not like definitely not some sort of PG throwaway sort of show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, um, I can't remember if I finished it last night or not. I kind of fell asleep before the end, I think. So I'm gonna have to rewatch the ending. Um, <laughs> But that's not an indictment on the show. That's an indictment on my ability to stay awake. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was, it was, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I went back and watched all the episodes. That says something, you know, a guy who doesn't have a lot of time in the world. Um, mm. Every time I switched on like TV before bed or whatever, it was like, yeah, let's fucking watch this. So, um, you know, when there's, when there's literally a billion other choices, um, I, I can't say I didn't enjoy it, you know? Yeah, but, um, I don't. Know. I when I when that first trailer dropped like ages ago. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just it didn't interest me at all. Yeah, well, I mean so, that's the like thing. Uh, like I said, I I don't know if I'll get around to watching it. Having said that, I said the same about Jessica Jones as well. I ended up watching that. Yeah, but uh, to be fair, you, you sold me. You sold me pretty hard on that. Like you, yeah, made made a good pitch, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, um. Rotten Tomatoes is owned by Fandango Media. Uh, 30% owned by Warner Brothers Entertainment. There you go. It's Warner. Yeah. And 70% Comcast and NBC. Right. So So there you go. There's your answer. There it is. Yeah. So take everything you read on on the internet. You know, how many times have I said grain of salt this issue? (laughs) Don't take anything at face value. (laughs) There you go. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, and, and the other thing too, like another thing that's sort of been brought to my attention lately, which is obvious, but um, it seems, you know, every everybody puts so much stock in the news, you know, and uh, someone said something the other day that sort of... I don't. Really, yeah, but they, it really made me think about it. And it's like the news um, is on the same rating system as Big Bang Theory. Think about that for a second. Every every news um, outlet that people take seriously, like, I mean, you know, you got your CNN and Fox News and all of those sort of big ones that people either love or hate, depending on which side of the line you fall on. Yeah. Um, they, they're all subject to ratings. You know, if they're not rating, they, they, they get taken off the air, you know, and news is interesting, but hyper sort of news is the order of the day. You know, if you've got to pull people's attention away from 
you know, countless different types of other media that, and entertainment, you got to mm. come up with different ways. That's why all of the chicks who host those shows are all really attractive women. And, um, you know, they, they, they're not taking away from their ability to do their job or their intelligence or anything like that. But um, you can see why they cast them over somebody else because they look great in heels with a short skirt on. You know, yeah. and that's really sad. It's sad that we have to take what, what most people to consider to be the truth um, yeah. from somebody who's just fighting for ratings like anyone else, you know. And um, and again, back to Joe Rogan, he was saying, um, uh, he, he went off a bit about, um, w- with this uh, Colin Moriarty thing, uh, one of the people, it was the International Business Times wrote the, the damning article about it and how Colin Moriarty sends out racist tweet and yeah. and it's like well hang on there's there's no racism here whatsoever he wasn't talking about race he said a day without women you know or something would just like re- it would be relaxing or whatever you know i'm not defending again the tweet or anything but the context of it there was no racism whatsoever unless suddenly women are a race right and this is yeah. the international business times or whatever it was and um <laughs> and so they they later on he he made a big stink about it and i guess a lot of people kicked up a stink and they redacted it and said oh i'm sorry there was nothing racist about the comment um we've edited the article you know now so it's legit you know um yeah but that's brought in the traffic yeah exactly the damage already. is done already it doesn't matter yeah. and so and and so joe was like really that's why he got colin on the show because he's like this is bullshit i need to talk to this guy it's fucked um so so anyway in that time between that podcast and when he had Colin on, I guess he's done some more research into it and what he's discovered. And, and again, this is one of those things that everybody probably in the back of their mind knows, but never really puts together is that the reporters who write these articles are now competing again, like, like the, you know, your Fox news and all that sort of stuff with the rest of entertainment at large, you know, like, Mm. like they've got to try and distract people away from what they're doing and say, Hey, take a look at what I'm doing over here. Um, and uh, that's that's complicated. And so these writers and and um, you know producers of content and stuff like that, they're tasked with, hey, if you don't get ten thousand clicks or ten thousand views on this, you know, consistently, they've got KPIs similar to how we've got selling KPIs at work, and you know mm. how how many of these we sell, and how many of that we sell. It's the same thing. You know, if they don't get ten thousand hits on their article, they have to start justifying why they're there. Yeah. And so the only way to do that is to do sensationalist news, not like, oh, um, here's, here's, a, here's a good story about some guy who did something. No one gives a shit. They want to hear about whoever, you know, uh, hired a male prostitute and is cheating on their wife with them, you know, or, or this or that, which is no one's business. You know, one of them, one of these places, I don't know if it was Gawker or someone like that, outed CEO of some major company as gay. Mm. Um, because they ran an article about how, oh, he hired a male escort and then this male escort tried to blackmail him. And in doing so, they aided and abetted the blackmailer (laughs) because they printed this article, you know, like, um, and all this. And so this guy's life's now fucked because he, you know, they decided it was better to run an article about this guy's proclivities, you know, as opposed to his personal life. Yeah. It's personal, you know, and it's, it's, it was really unfair and all this sort of stuff. But again, you know, I don't want to, I'm not here to do Joe, Joe Rogan's podcast, <laughs> but it just, it just make it definitely makes me think about, you know, who you can trust for the truth and all that. And essentially at this point in time, it's nobody, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's got like, I, I, I ignore pretty much all news outlets 
Mm-hmm. If if I want to know about something, I'll go and research it myself. That's do, it. Do you know what I find is is a pretty uh, fair and unbiased place to get news from? Is Reddit. Because you immediately have, um, you know, you've got an upvoting and downvoting system and all, and all that sort of stuff. But you also have, there's always someone there with, because it attracts people with knowledge on those topics. Mm. You know, because they'll see it come up and they'll go, fuck, I've got something to say about this. And so there'll, there'll always be a counterpoint or there'll always be somebody who's like, well, I know the guy or I was there or I, you know, blah, blah, blah. Somebody brought this article to my attention. So here's my take on it. And you get a pretty balanced thing because it's not just some reporter or someone going, yeah, this is what happened. It's like you get um, the, the the information from six or seven different sources at once on the same page, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and it's it's always interesting, you know? And, and it seems to be that like the things that are more important tend to make their way to the top. Don't get me wrong, along with a bunch of cat videos <laughs> and other things. But um, I mean, if you subscribe to the right pages, you're going to get the news, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's it's pretty... Uh, I just, I just think it's, it's. It, don't get me wrong. It's it, nothing at this point in time is worth blindly following. Um, but if if I was going to say put my faith in something, it would be the guys who aren't getting paid, um, or don't have a vested interest in, or you know, there's not a parent company that owns, you know, mm. based on the topic that they're writing about. You know, like it's just, it's just raw data. Yeah, and I kind of dig that. Yeah, I mean, it's part of the reason why I got out of the journalism seen anyway because mm-hmm. like even even doing the courses and stuff at uni and shit you got the teachers themselves are like you have to be like careful about what you write because what whoever you write for are going to have like advertisers yep. and like if you if something that that company does is wrong and you write about it and it's like oh well we're not going to advertising your paper now that's no money for the paper yeah and it's that's like, it's terrifying a- that you're you're getting uh what's the word the, the innocence you know the reason people get into journalism is to tell the truth generally and yeah. immediately before you even start your career they're telling you hey don't tell the truth tell what is going to earn your employer the most money uh they didn't quite put it like that no they, they didn't they, they but sh- that's they what they're fucking saying the fuck out of it yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's yeah. that's what they're saying regardless it's like fucking you know it's yeah. like yeah yeah just be careful because you don't want to fuck up and lose your job because mm. some multinational is going to lose some fucking face over something you wrote yeah. about you know fuck yeah. even if it's justifiable even if it's the truth yeah. you're still going to lose your job you know? mm. oh man it's frustrating oh it definitely is but I don't know I've <laughs> I've kind of given up on this world at this point. Yeah. Wow, Debbie Downers. <laughs> Let's fucking talk All about right. something else. <laughs> um, oh, okay. So I got this theory about Alien Covenant, right? I'm what, curious to hear what this theory is. Um, and again, I've got nothing to back this up. I'm not some th- like like I was. I was actually explaining to Michael just before the show uh, when we were going through the run rundown. Um, I looked this up because I was curious. I'm like, I can't be the only one who thinks this. And I looked it up and I found this website where there's just all of these, I don't want to say quote unquote experts because that makes them sound like less like they're actual experts because there's some dudes out there who know a shitload about the Alien franchise, man. Just to say enthusiasts. They're enthusiasts like you've never seen. (laughs) They're talking about (laughs) shit. I'm like, where are you even getting this data? 
that wasn't in any of the movies I saw. It's like extended universe shit. And like they're, they're sort of arguing over whether or not there's this viral website. There's, there's a Wayland Corp viral website that went live and you could hack the terminal and, and people have been pulling information out of it since, since Prometheus came out. You know what I mean? Like nobody really has gotten to the bottom of it yet and all this, which is pure fucking marketing genius. But they're all arguing over whether or not that's canon and how this theory relates to that. Like if, if it is canon, then this. If it's not canon, then this. You know, blah, blah, blah. It just blows my fucking mind. So anyway, my theory, and again, this is only based on one or two shots of the trailer. Is this based around the space jockey at all? Uh, no, it's based around a couple of things. Slash engineer now, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's a lot of talk about that too because there's there's differences between the two in in the movie and the trailer. Mm. Um, and the ship, people are like, oh, the ship is, you know, because, okay, so let me, first of all, let me put my theory out there on the table. I'm, zi- I'm zipping and I'm going to flop it out on the table. <laughs> Alien Covenant takes place on LV-426. So the planet huh. from Aliens, right? Um, I, again, I read so many conflicting things about the timeline and stuff. I'm not as confident as I was if, I, if I'd have been doing this podcast yesterday morning. Um, but okay in the trailer they're walking through the nest sort of area and there's a pair of dog tags hanging from the ceiling and okay. i'm like these guys aren't soldiers they're colonists they're there to they're there to uh re so you know at first i was thinking oh maybe one of them got killed and that's evidence is hanging there and they're like fuck that's jones's or you know steve's or something you know yeah. um but it's a military dog tag and mm. they're not military they're there to they're there to colonize and um they're, they're it says in the trailer they're the first colonial mission of just purely just couples you know? Yeah. Um, Basically, they're there to fuck. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Banging on an alien world. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, I'm looking at these dog tags and I'm like, well, fuck, they could be Hudson's or Hicks's, you know, or whatever. Well, maybe mm. not Hicks, but Hudson's or uh, Vasquez or anyone, you know? Um, and everyone's like, oh, the terrain's completely different. It's fucking blah, 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 blah. That was a desolate rock with no life. And, you know, this is something else. And I was like, yeah, but the, the sole reason they were there was terraforming. Mm. They were creating an atmosphere. And you don't know that like the nuclear explosion of the base going up may have aided in sort of some, some sort of greenhouse effect or whatever. Now it's become a lush planet with, you know, um, and, and that's the other thing. They find wheat there. They, when they're walking through, they're like, this is wheat. What are the odds that we'd find human like stuff, mm. you know? The argument for that could be the information about the, colonist side on LV-426 could have been redacted. Nobody knows about it 150 years later because, um, or 200 years later because, um, you know, it was a big bad secret. You know, the base got blown up. Everyone basically died. The military mission that went to rescue them was a complete farce, you know. Um, so it's all sort of, all these little pieces in my head are just clicking together and I'm going, oh my God, the terraforming ended up working, you know. Um, mm. It's now, and, and the fact that there's human crops, like the base blew up, there could have been like food seeds or whatever, you know, what, whatever they had there for after the terraforming that could have made its way into the environment, you know, all sorts of things could have happened. There's no life. There's no animal life. They're like, you hear that? There's no birds. There's no anything. Mm. There's this fully um, lush environment, which, which is actually in itself is a little odd because, you know, how does everything germinate if there's no animal life? But whatever, that's beside the point. Um, so, so that's my theory. I, I'm thinking that that may have happened. There's also talk that possibly it's set on LV-426 a thousand years before um, Aliens, where uh. it was a lush planet and something terrible has happened that's basically destroyed it and now it's just a desolate rock. 
Um, and the ship could have been there that long, you know. But the dog tags kind of throw me off on that. I just, I feel like they're a relic of the past, you know. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting theory. I might watch the trailer again, see if I can pick some stuff up. Yeah. I mean, again, I, 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 I haven't watched it again since, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So maybe there's, like, I remember <clears throat> I was sitting in the cinema. Actually, no, it wasn't. It was, it was the other day when I was watching Life, I think the trailer was on. And I was, I was sounds, sort of, sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, all right. This is, um, and I, I, I remember sitting there going, maybe I'll, I'll keep a bigger eye on it. Cause I had, this idea was bouncing around my head from the first time I saw the trailer. That's right. And I was like, mm, that the, the dog tags just stuck in my mind. And so I watched it again a little bit closer this time and went, oh yeah, yeah. But you know, then I went and watched another movie and forgot most of what I saw. Um, but it just, there's something about it that just feels, you know, it's, there's just something there. There's, there's something, and I know that if I was, if I was uh, Ridley Scott, that's how I'd play it. You know what I mean? You want to tie all these universes together, do it. You can do it over a very vast timeline, you know? Because mm. the aliens aren't going anywhere. They just gestate, or they just sit there and wait to be gestated, you know? Um, yeah, so what do you think? What do you think? Possibilities? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's definitely a possibility. Mm. I'm not going to count anything out. Yeah, but like I, mean, I said, there's there's a lot of dudes who know a lot more about the franchise and the, you know, um, the other, um, uh, like you know, uh, expanded universe sort of stuff than I do. So, sorry. yeah, but after Prometheus, a lot of that expanded universe has just been deemed non-canon, and yeah. like not not on purpose, but basically, really has gone and done whatever the fuck he's wanted. Mm. And it's just rendered the fucking a lot of stuff mute. Like yeah. the very early Alien comics, um, the space jockey mm-hmm. was not an engineer. Mm. Um, I'm gonna see if I can find a fucking picture of it because it looks like a. You know, you know what the space jockey outfit looks like. How it's mm-hmm. got like that long sort of nose kind of thing. Yeah, like a, like a face mask, almost like a fighter pilot mask. Yeah, well, yeah. the the space jockey in the comics looks pretty much like that. Yeah, like the the, the that armor is kind of form fitting. So it's got this long ass nose. It kind of looks like a giant fucking elephant. Yeah, standing on hind legs. So. Yeah. Although, when, although knowing Geiger is probably a giant cock, who knows? <laughs> well, Geiger didn't design it. So. Oh, didn't he? All right, I guess. No, no. Um, so yeah, like once, once Ridley came out with the engineers that immediately renders those guys moot. Yeah. Like they, they, they're non-canon. So yeah. if they're not canon, what else is non-canon? Yeah. You know? so, who knows? Um, yeah, no, I'll be interested to watch the movie. I, I, as soon as that trailer came out, I'm like, yes, this is getting back to the old school fucking alien <laughs> sort of feel vibe, you know? Um, although I feel like there's going to be some color, touches of aliens in there as well. Um, but you know, the whole, we're all stuck here. None of us are really good at fighting and yet we've got to survive very much yeah. like, um, getting back to life, life very much a similar yeah. sort of vibe. That's, and again, that's what I love. I love those movies, um, where there's something that's just overwhelmingly dangerous and mm. you got no choice. You can't run. You got just got to stand and figure it out. You know, um, that's awesome. And usually in some sort of really hostile environment. You know, like the snow or space or whatever, you know. Oops, just fucked up. Uh, um, 
So talk, tell me, talk me through the uh, Justice League trailer, man. It's that's that's the big exciting news that's been happening. <laughs> Wait, it's sort of just like, yeah, Justice League trailer. Um, oh, well, segue. What, what, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were just like, yeah, whatever. Nice subtle segue. Well, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, excited, you know. It, it's it's definitely. Um, it looks beautifully shot. There's not a shot in the trailer that you're not like, fuck, that looks amazing, you know. Mm. Um, heaps of cool action. A little bit cartoony, but it's a comic book movie, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I like that. Take as much as you want from anime as far as action scenes and stuff go because that, they're always good. <laughs> you know, I just, I just felt like, like a, you know, the scene where Aquaman's on top of the Batmobile and he just launches off with... Mm considerably no thought taken in, into physics whatsoever yeah. <laughs> he just launches into space he grabs two of those uh what are the demon things the and parademons parademons yeah. and then they just launch him back the other way and shit and i'm like yes but <laughs> physically probably impossible yes <laughs> <laughs> you know um no nah, it was a good time i liked it yeah yeah so did i i i, I dug the trailer quite mm. a bit um doesn't really give anything away yeah that, that was the beauty of it and hopefully they stick to doing that Mm-hmm. one thing that's amusing me though is when that um i think it was like the third trailer for batman vs superman came out mm-hmm. and you saw doomsday everyone just started losing their shit just going like why the fuck are you showing the whole movie in the trailer <laughs> blah 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 all this other bullshit and then <laughs> they, this trailer comes out and everyone's like where the fuck is superman like <laughs> show him he's, he's not going to turn up to the end of the movie but show him anyway i want to see superman yeah 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 get like you know you don't know what you want sort of thing anyway no yeah i'm i'm quite excited uh i i feel like i'm treading old ground again because carl and i talked about this on real issues at length mind you yeah for him. um like there are a couple of things we were speculating about and whatnot, which were kind of fun. And I'll I'll bring one of them up because I <laughs> it was a theory that I came up with on the spot, and I kind of like it. And I know it's not going to happen, but there's a line in the trailer where Wonder Woman says they thought the age of heroes was past, mm-hmm. and she says something after it. But that sort of got me thinking, like Wonder Woman's been around for a while. Yeah. Like since World War One in this universe. Batman's kind of old as well. Yeah. Um the only real fresh ones are Superman and Barry, to mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah. Um but anyway, <clears throat> what if the heroes now are the are essentially the Bronze Age heroes mm-hmm. from the comics and back in say the forties and stuff you had like the Justice Society of America. Yeah. Where you, where you had like, you know, your Dr. Fates, your mm-hmm. Jay Garrick Flash, your Adam Scott Green Lantern, yeah, your yeah. Hawkman, shit like that. And they sort of went away for a while. Like maybe even Wonder Woman fought with them. Yep. As well. And now there's this new breed of superhero coming in to sort of defend the world. Mm. Like I thought if that... Like... <laughs> That would be so fucking amazing. Yeah. To me, anyway. Just just if that was true. I know it's not going to be. But <laughs> when I came up with that theory, I got myself really excited. And I'm like, just don't. I had to rein myself in because I'm like, it's not happening. <laughs> just, just relax, man. 
But yeah, yeah like I, I, feel I think that that'd be friggin' sick. And if <laughs> if Warner Brothers had that kind of vision, I would be totally impressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, it's like you know they're not going with the with the popular ones. They're, they're making decisions based on what's best for content as opposed to what's going to put bums in seats. Yeah. Oh, I mean, not even that. Like, you, you don't even have to make, like, a Justice Society of America movie. Just to have them at least referenced mm-hmm. would be enough for me. Having mm-hmm. said that, I do want to see Dr. Fate in a movie. Yeah. Because I fucking love Dr. Fate <laughs> so much. <laughs> said this to Carl. I was like, fuck Dr. Strange. Dr. Fate's the Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah. He, he would kick the well, shit out of Strange. you know, they're, they're not afraid of doing magical characters nowadays on screen, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, we might see him in the Justice League Dark movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, getting off track. Anyway, Justice League looks fucking good. Yeah, I yeah. Just, I'm, I'm holding out hope that they're still working on the CGI because uh, Vic looked a bit fake. Uh, who? <laughs> uh, Cyborg. Sorry. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. There was something there. I don't know what it was, but yeah, you're right. Like when he walks up and he says some catchphrase or whatever. Uh, he says you should move. Yeah, you should probably move. Yeah, like yeah. he just looked, he, his face looks CGI. The one thing yeah. that shouldn't. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, yeah, okay, I, I'm with you there. That was kind of rough. Um, but again, you know, it's still early days. Yeah, they got eight months to fix it. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> plenty of time. But uh, he has to say booyah at least once. Booyah. That is his. <laughs> and damn, that is whack. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's not go full racist. <laughs> Token. Yeah. Um, I'm, uh, I'm excited. Hmm. It's, um, I think it was a good time to release the trailer as well. Yeah. Because you, you put that out, get people, you know, talking about it, looking at it, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then you're kind of blindsided by Wonder Woman that's out in what? Two months, three yeah. months. Yeah, good point. And then you'll sort of die down for your Justice League hype again. Then they'll probably release another trailer afterwards. Mm. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they shot out another one at um, Comic Con. Yeah. Oh, they will, dude. They won't miss that opportunity. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Mm. I don't know. I really didn't have much to say about it. I feel like because like I talked about it so much. Mm-hmm. With Carl on real issues, but yeah. Speaking of real issues, segue! Oh my god. Alright, where's the button? The week. <laughs> Comic of the week! Alright, hit, hit us up, man. What do you got for us? Well, before I do, are you ever going to do a Comic of the Week? Um, well, I figured it, you know, because it's brought to you by real issues. Um, I was thinking it could be your segment, but if you want me to do one every once in a while, I'll do one. I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, we could both do one in the same week. Yeah, yeah. Know. Well, no, I've got. I'm yeah. going to do my artist focus if we have time. Ah, right. Sure. We'll have to see. Right. Um, comic of the week. I'm going to go with Pretty Deadly. Pretty Deadly. I'm not familiar. Yes. Neither was I until about a few days ago. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, I uh, I saw the art for it online somewhere. I think because I've I've liked um images Facebook page. Okay. And they yeah. just, which is probably a bad idea because I've been spending a lot more money than usual. <laughs> yeah, that'll do um, it. I'm going to send you a link through Skype that you can have a look at. All right. Which you've probably already seen anyway, but whatever. Um, it's a, it's not your typical three-act structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's told in a very sort of open kind of way. I, I don't even know how to explain the plot. I'm just going to say it involves 
death, like the physical embodiment of death, the Grim Reaper. Okay. Death's successor, Death's daughter, and the uh, there's a guy in it who would have been Death's father, but he was a bit of a cunt. So, okay. Um, that's pretty much all I can really say about it. Like it, it's so well told. It's so beautiful. It's. I don't know. Just, just pick it up, read it, because it's just, it's one of the. I haven't felt this way about a comic since Tokyo Ghost. Oh wow! Okay, well, yeah. you know what? I wasn't excited about Tokyo Ghost when you put it in my hands, <laughs> and now it's one of the greatest things that ever happened. I can see it here. Okay, there's the art. Hang on. I got, oh, I'm just looking at your link. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, if you can somehow put that on the screen, that'd be fucking. Um. <laughs> Let me see what I can do. Um, yeah, yeah, throw it off. But yeah, I, I, I don't know how to describe the plot. It's basic, like without spoiling it anyway. But yeah. Uh, okay, hang on. I'm uh, browser source maybe. Let's have a look. I'm hacking the system. <laughs> Wait, uh, nope, that's not how you do it. <laughs> All right. Oh. Uh, Got a window capture. We're learning new things, people. We're learning new things. Uh, window capture, there we go. Yep. There it is. Boom. Right there on the screen. Yeah, that's the um that's the cover for the first trade. Okay, wow, yeah. That's, it actually wraps around the whole thing. It's but, beautifully yeah. colored. I'd be interested to know who colored it. Um it does it reminds me a little of Matt Hollingsworth. I always talk about him as colorist because I don't know that many colorists. Um but he's um he's I like a, colored it. Give me a sec. It's just got um, very muted colors, you know. Again, that could just be me being colorblind. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, hang on. Let's get back to that. Yeah, I'm clicking the wrong hotkeys and all sorts of things. You'd, you'd think anyone would think no one who knew what they were doing was running the show. <laughs> um, it, it was actually written by uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick, who's written quite a fair bit. Uh, she's got her own comic, Bitch Planet, which has been received very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did the re sort of, I don't want to say rebirth because that seems to be DC's trademark right now, but mm-hmm. she did like the reinvigorating of Captain Marvel recently. She's written a lot for Marvel. Yeah. Um, she's, as far as I can tell, she's very just one of the best writers out there at the moment. Mm-hmm. And this is the first thing I've read of hers. Okay. Yeah. Um, the artist is Emma Rios, and you can probably tell from that picture that she's Spanish. Yeah. Um, that that picture that I sent you does have a lot of Spanish sort of influence in it. Okay. Um, I don't know if you can tell. I don't know if you've looked at many Spanish sort of, you know, that traditional Yeah, Spanish I guess. Art, I guess how, how a lot yeah. of it's very... I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Also, the landscape as well. It's it's very... Um... Well, it's set in a Wild West sort of setting. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The first trade is anyway. Yeah, um, it's quite interesting. Yeah. There's only two trades out at the moment, and it seems to be taking a, an American vampire sort of route. Yeah, cool. Um, okay. Like the first trade's set in the, in the West, mm-hmm. and then the second trade's fast-forwarded like a whole bunch of years, and it's set during World War I. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much all there is at the moment. Yeah, That's there's all definitely right, a so. Wild West thing going on. 
and the, 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 there's almost like a Mother Mary kind of posture, you know, something she's like holding a fallen somebody. I don't know who that is, but uh, he, he looks like a Confederate soldier or someone. No, it's that that's a uh, that's death. That's death, yeah. Yeah. Um it's very the, it's very matriarchal. The woman that's holding him is the like death fell in love with her after she was imprisoned. Mm-hmm. And the girl on the right is death's daughter. Oh, okay. Um the other two, I'll leave that for now. I'll basically read it. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find out. But yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. So out of 10, what are we talking? I mean, I know it's early days, but what, so have you read the first trade completely? I've read the first two. Okay. Yeah. So what do you think? What's the, um, I mean, it is comic of the week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going like a, I'm gonna go on a limb and just say perfect 10. Wow. Like okay. I, I absolutely love it. I'll, I'll grab that next. Then I'll have to look at it. I've still got some heavy reading to do, man. The, the, what is it? The, I never can remember the name. Wicked and the Divine. Wicked and the Divine, yeah. The Wicked's the part that trips me up. Um, <laughs> that I'm, I'm really digging. I'm, I'm slowly getting through that. Um, and uh, what else have I got? Oh, just everything I've bought recently I haven't read. I still haven't finished Seven to Eternity, and it's like my favorite thing at the moment. Um, <laughs> well, you're lucky that's on a break. Yeah, yeah, I can catch up before the next one. Yeah, that'd be yeah. cool. Um, oh, I just fucking realized what I'm doing wrong here. Yes. <laughs> Um, oh, I'm just trying to draw that. You know how you were like, okay, this is flying over a city um, where there's like some sort of mutant war going on down on the ground level. Mm. I'm sort of getting to that phase and I'm just trying to, trying to visualize what these mutant dudes look like. And I'm sort of getting this weird, almost like cyberpunky kind of picture. Like, um, what is it? Nukem high sort of thing, but not as funny looking. You know, mm. a little bit more disturbed. Um, I mean, what? What? How did you visualize it? Uh, from the ground, sort of perspective. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about in general uh, those those characters, like the people from the ground. You know. Oh, okay. Just vicious um, sort of. Mutant well, warriors. in terms in terms of the actual people. Yeah. Um. Very ragtag sort of clothes makeshift armor maybe yeah like you i've know, got a hubcap on this guy's chest strapped on you know like yeah yeah that sort yeah, of thing sure, like, all right cool yeah, um, yeah i wasn't i wasn't 100 sure of the vision for that um yeah um with the with the mutants themselves because i don't want to give too much away i don't want to give anything away so yeah. um they can essentially be anything like you could have like a, a just a amorphous blob as a mutant, or okay. like right, so they are mutated. They're not just crazy. You can have no. three arms yeah. and one giant fucking neck or something. Yeah, <laughs> like like later on in the issue when Nissa runs across that creature in the hospital and like the flying creature in the desert, they're mutants as well. Yeah, right. Okay. Like so, basically, any monster that you see is a mutant. I've just called them mutants. Yeah. Not not necessarily for many. Because that's what they were called mm-hmm. in in the law sort of thing, anyway. So yeah, it just so happens to be the same name as something else. Okay, yeah, yeah fair enough. Yeah, so <laughs> we won't mention for legal reasons. Um, <laughs> like, um, I mean, th- there is a reason, but like, like I said, I don't want to give anything away. All right, cool. Yep. So, um, okay, so one last thing I want to talk about. Um, I want to start a segment. 
focusing on artists um, more so that I so that I can do some research and find more great artists. You know, I mean, we all know I love Sean Murphy and Scotty Young and stuff like that. Um, but there's uh, there's plenty of great artists out there, and it would be good for me to occasionally feature one of them. And to be honest, one of the main reasons I started collecting comics is none of those guys. It's uh, a guy called Jay Lee, um, often confused with Jim Lee, at least to me anyway, because I have problems. Um, but yeah, he's he, the very first time I walked into that comic book shop with uh, with my friend Jacob. Uh, on a on a break from work um was uh i walked in there and i saw this cover of batman superman volume one um and i picked it up and i went this is fucking cool this guy's vision for like how he draws superheroes and stuff is like incredible it just it really does feel like gods you know like um the he has this way of drawing in fact you know what i've got a slideshow let's do that um (laughs) He's one hundred percent early. Comic of the week. Ah, <laughs> sorry, sorry guys. Amateur hour again. Okay, the first picture that came up on the slideshow there isn't actually by Jay Lee. Um, that's a guy called Simon Harrison. This one as well. Um, they're supposed to come up at the end. Um, but essentially, the reason I, I've sort of called him out is when I was in reading two thousand AD in the nineties, this guy was doing art. Um, he did a comic called Bradley and and a couple of other sort of things in two thousand AD. Um, and I always loved his style because it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. And it always had really basic sort of color wash backgrounds. Here we go. This is this is Jim Lee now. Um, that's the cover of Batman Superman. I actually got that issue CGC graded and it's in my studio right now. Um, you, said, you said Jim Lee. Jay Lee. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, you know, there's a shot of him, a uh, Wolverine he's done. But see, he's always got sort of cloudy backgrounds. There's an image just demonstrating how his ability to adapt shadow into the piece is phenomenal and that sort of flows through to his finished pieces as well um which are much softer generally there's a lot of contrast but it's also very soft in the coloring and um and the sort of a gritty earthiness to the to the images as well it's just um i just can't stop looking at them you know the way he does superman spit curl is interesting to me you know (laughs) like the whole bit Mm -hmm. like um he also has this weird thing where he does these weird tangential sort of artistic flourishes with hair and things where you just have a bit sort of floating off into space that's just like like a tendril almost you know and the same with capes and the way he handles you know Catwoman right there she's also always super slinky you couldn't imagine she's anything but a cat you know um mm. and uh and stuff like that so he's uh he's best known for the dark tower series uh he co-created a comic called inhumans which uh won a um uh eisner award um and uh yeah but i first came across him with batman superman oh dark tower this is an image i think from that um the gunslinger sort of thing um yeah but he's just the what he just has a style and i always come back to this he has a style that's unmistakably his you can't sort of go oh that's someone else it's you look at it and go fuck jay lee right <laughs> you know and there's there's a sort of shot of the shading that he does it's sort of really um I guess when it becomes inked, there's no question as to what's dark and what's light. You know, it's really, everything's a finished detail, even in the pencils. And I really dig that. But again, there's an example of the, just the simple backgrounds. Like back, Batman Superman, for up until like issue, I don't know, 12 or 17 or something that when he stopped doing it, was, um, it was, it was, it was almost, it was very surrealist. You never saw a background unless it was a feature. You know, like they're in a park in Gotham and you just see it's so gothic. There's just like, you know everything in the background is a spear or some sort of like this beautiful monument 
or something, you know, that almost takes a focus off the foreground. He wouldn't put it there unless he wanted you to look at it, you know? And I love that sort of thing. It's very much like the way I envision art. Like I always draw the foreground and forget about the background. As we all know, I've always, I've talked about that in the past, working on putting things in an environment has always been a challenge for me. Whereas Jay Lee just fucking doesn't do it. He just, he just puts like clouds, you know, no matter where they are, there's clouds or smoke or fog in the background. And it doesn't matter because it just, it just heightens the action. It makes it seem like, um, these are gods fighting, not, you know, the, the only detail there in the background is something that needs to be there. Like, for example, if they're standing on a rocky outcrop, that'll be drawn, but that's it. You know, everything else just fades into the distance. And, uh, I just, I really dig that. And then they changed the artist on Batman Superman. I just stopped buying it, <laughs> um, which is the way I tend to roll pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, I just thought I'd just, uh, just talk about Jay for a minute because like, again, that's the reason I'm collecting comic books to this day, you know, um, you know, in recent times in the nineties and stuff like that, it was for 2000 AD, Judge Dredd, all that sort of stuff, Spawn as well. But, um, getting back into it as, as an adult sort of thing, it was definitely Jay Lee's influence, you know? Mm. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's basically it. So anyway, we're about at time. So you got anything else you want to talk about? No, I am all good. good. All right. Yeah. Well, uh i'll see you tonight <laughs> oh, <laughs> remind me yeah um and uh yeah cool thanks for checking in um we can only do this with your support guys if you like the show please spread the word let everyone know share the show wherever you can um if you want to listen to the show on your commute search itunes for pretty sketchy podcast and if you want to see what i'm doing um and you're listening to the podcast check out youtube pretty sketchy podcast mm-hmm. thanks again michael for checking in and uh we'll see you guys in the next one